Now, the public education can be found in the living rooms of families across the nation. Have you noticed the increasing pressure on teachers, administrators, and families? Educators have historically shown up for students, but much of this work has been covert and found behind a classroom door. Take a peek behind the curtain with three instructional coaches as we attempt to make the covert more overt and accessible to the masses so we can ground ourselves in a common and shared understanding. Join us in today's inaugural episode for the Grounded Learners Guild, where we share our unique vantage point on the current reality of the educational landscape that is finding its way into the comfort of many of our homes. Welcome to the Grounded Learners Guild, the podcast that gets real about education, authentic leadership, and the transcendent power of being a part of a highly functioning team. Here are your hosts, Casey Veach, Emily Copeland, and Jenny Labrie. Hi everyone, it's Jenny, instructional technology coach and former Spanish teacher. In today's episode, we're gonna share the origins of our guild, our professional hall passes and how they've shaped our practice, and the power of knowing how your gifts and imperfections influence your role on a team. The intention is that by the end of this episode, you can own and leverage your gifts and how embracing and leaning into imperfections is the first step to building a high functioning guild. As you listen today, consider the following. What qualities do I currently bring to a team I'm on? What do I look for in my guild members? And what experiences bind a guild together? So thanks everybody for joining us. Um, I will be facilitating our conversation today. My name is Casey Veach. Um, I'm an instructional coach in the suburbs of Chicago, and my role in our guild was bestowed upon me by the guild, um, and it's La Capitana. Jenny, did I say that right? You did, La Capitana. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And we'll talk a little bit more about the roles and how important they are later on in the episode, but... Hello, hello, everybody. I'm Emily Coakland. I'm also a instructional coach in the Chicago suburban area. And uh, as far as our guild is concerned, I am designated team creative and skeptic. And I'm Jenny Labrie. And um, also, I was designated this role given to me, not given to myself. And I've never heard this role anywhere else. But I am known as the clarified butter. So delicious. (laughs) Um, so <clears throat> before I was an instructional coach, I was a high school literature teacher. And one of my favorite for- short stories to read with my students is one by Flannery O'Connor. Um, her, in her short story, A Good Man is Hard to Find, it's a terrifying tale of a family road trip gone horribly wrong. So bear with me before we get <laughs> all will be made clear. Um, but two themes that connect with the working lives of educators and professionals today are the concept of chance, meaning we don't always know who we will end up working with. And grace, finding moments of clarity in our work where we are able to see people as they truly are. Here in today's episode, we'll explore how our personal soul searching led our team to banding together under shared values and beliefs to form one of the strongest professional guilds that each of us has loved being a part of. Um, Again, 
English nerd in me, guild is a Middle English term with roots in Old Norse and German. It's a group of people with related interests who form together to support and protect one another. Uh, the term guild conjures images of loyalty, camaraderie, and skilled craftsmanship. The term for some may allude to the fantasy genre, Dungeons and Dragons, um, or of stories like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter, and even Game of Thrones. Um, one of our shared interests as a guild uh, came from our enjoyment of the series. Um, and as a group, we didn't land on that term for ourselves until this year, but we really and truly feel it embodies who we are. So little intro there. Um, so how long, guys, have we been working together? Um, I would say we've been in this for about five years as uh, as a guild slash team. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. <laughs> I know. I know. We go way back. Um, but yeah, we've been really lucky to have uh, landed in this position where we have each other to rely on and to, um, I guess, help balance ourselves out. <laughs> yeah. And Jenny, you were um, you arrived on the team a little bit later, but only about a year after than I did, right? I, yep, I was, I'm the baby of the group. (laughs) (laughs) Well, before, the baby of this group, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. When do you, I'm trying to think back, when did we each kind of realize that this was something different? Like, we've all been part of departments before. Mm -hmm. We've all worked with colleagues and it worked in different schools. But when did we really realize that this was something different, that it was magic for us? for us do you, it either may not of you be, have that moment well definitely I can pinpoint it exactly I don't know if it's the same time for all of you I can even and I'm like sometimes savant with dates so it was January of the year 2017 um, <laughs> but it was actually when we we had one of our first workshops that we were running for professional learning and we had set something up for our teachers and we were going to be actually evaluated by uh, you know our supervisor and I remember um, how much we planned and practiced for that workshop, and and then when we actually delivered it, it just the it just seemed right, and the the transitions between who talked and when and all of that just seemed so natural that I was like, like I've never felt that before when stepping out and working with a group and where it just felt right instead of like forced or choreographed. I would say for me, it was probably a more gradual process of realizing it, but um, I've been in the habit sometimes of like referring to my role as an island. It's not a nice thing, but like I used to, uh, prior to being an instructional coach, I was a uh, LMC director and I used to jokingly call it library island because you weren't really a part of any department or, you know, PLC per se, you would just kind of float from place to place and partner with different teachers throughout the school. So I felt that that put me kind of in a, in a good place to start working on the, uh, you know, tech and adult learning end of things because I was kind of the the school's version of a floater. But I would always joking, oh, yeah, I'm an island, library island, haha. But at some point or another, when I started working with you guys, I stopped making island jokes. And I looked kind of <laughs> looked inside, I guess, and realized that that was for a reason. Like, I didn't really feel like an isolated person anymore. And I really felt like I did have a PLC that I was meeting with and going to regularly to kind of improve in my own practice. And it was something that it had been a couple years since I had experienced something like that. Yeah. 
like the the strongest memory that comes to my mind where I where it turned from these are these are awesome people that I work with that we have these great ideas and professional development professional learning planning comes so naturally to us as a group to you. Was, <laughs> <laughs> was was last year <laughs> during the finale of Game of Thrones where we were all assigning each other's roles like who <laughs> And then we had to change mine because Daenerys went crazy. Spoiler alert, people. <laughs> I mean, if you haven't seen it by now. <laughs> right. Then you probably won't ever. But it's just that concept that not only are these people ones that get me and get what we're trying to do and connect with these, the vision that we have for the district and our teachers. And these are just awesome people that I love working with, talking to, and they just make me better every single day. So that was kind of the moment where it was like, okay, it's more less less of a job and more of like, these are people that, they're my people. So uh, speaking of, which segues to our next section, like recognizing your people, how do you, when you're thinking about our work as a team, and even as we're crafting this to try to show and give advice to people on how to be a part of a really high-functioning team, what sort of ideas do you guys have for how you can recognize the members of your guild, the members of your team? The thing that comes to mind is, and I feel like this might be the time to explain the clarified butter because <laughs> otherwise, without context, that might just sound real weird. So, um, so the clarified butter role came as actually Casey, you tweeted a bunch of team roles when one one day and I was reading through them and you guys gave me that name and prior to being called well if you think of what clarified butter is it's you know butter in its purest form it's after taking out all of the impurities um, and chefs use it to as an ingredient to just make food taste delicious and we've said delicious too much already today Um, or not enough (laughs) (laughs) so anyway when I thought of like what is clarified butter honestly when I think of uh my imperfections um prior to working with you guys i i saw my imperfections as just that rather than gifts and and it made me self-conscious and so when i would work with people oftentimes what i think about myself as being those imperfections are the meth i'm i oftentimes stumble over words as you'll get to know um i'm methodical and uh, process-driven at times, and also I'm slow. You guys are so fast. You think so quickly. You throw things out there. You spit out ideas, and I'm just like left in the dust sometimes, I feel like. And so what happens is that I thought that was a problem. That was something that when I would bring it to any other team I was on or working with people, that I would have to hide that part of myself. And what you told me that day and you said no you're the clarified do you realize what you do for our group it's you guys spit out all the ideas you create a lot of content and what i do is i go back and i refine it and i clarify some of those things and um and it's just an interesting it's an interesting thing to go from what are your imperfections and turning that into no that's a gift that i have and i'm working with people that recognize that about myself and you find a new sense of confidence it's pretty darn cool I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, to be honest, I really think that it's all about the concept of balance. You're looking about uh, 
looking to try to find team members who balance out, you know, that your strengths add something to their weaknesses and vice versa. Uh, so wait, we're explaining roles now. I guess why we not keep Go going? There. Yeah, <laughs> um, roll it. All right, roll it. <laughs> so, anyways, like I said earlier, um, the role that the the guild has bestowed upon me, I guess, is um, you know, team. Uh, team creative person. I am a perpetual flinger of spaghetti. I have lots of ideas, but kind of building off what Jenny just said, streamlining those ideas is not a strength that I possess. I have lots and lots of ideas, but to make those ideas into a, a clear and cohesive uh, learning module or you know professional development session is going to take another set of eyes. And to have another set of eyes you know, who can not just, you know, help me streamline my ideas, but to look at them, build on them, make them better, come up with different activities that relate to those ideas. Those are things that both of you two are capable of doing for me. While I can throw idea after idea and try to make things uh, creative and, you know, kind of throw fresh ideas into the mix. I think that that's something you guys can have that. And, uh, you know, in terms of the other other role, I guess I'm kind of a, a dual role person, that that skeptic role. I'm thinking about what, what Jenny had said earlier about your, you looking at your roles as a negative. I, I think I have always felt a little bit self-conscious about being the skeptic. I always kind of have an angry teacher in the back of my head that doesn't want professional development and doesn't want to learn and has been really burned by some culture and climate things. And, you know, some of it is pieced together by different things I've heard people say. Some of it comes from my own experiences in other districts or situations, uh, have a famously terrible student teaching background, you know, things like that. Um, I, I think when you when you think of, you know, the things that make you who you are, I've always been kind of inclined to think about, well, what if somebody doesn't want any of this and what might they say? And then what is our recourse on that? But I don't always feel like that's understood. Uh, just kind of how pessimism slash realism in general can sometimes be looked at as you're you're living in a dark place, but I think you guys are really good at helping me see that as a strength and helping us run things through that angry teacher check and make sure that what we're what we're giving out to the world is palatable and maybe even enjoyable. You know, I I I don't know if you Emily remember when you first the first time it made it it was clear to me that you had that role of skeptic. I think it was like our second or third year working together and we were planning um, a workshop and we just, you and I were just butting heads. <laughs> I remember like, it vividly. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, this is the way it should be. And you're like, no, no, it's not. And I remember getting into my car, calling my husband, like, <laughs> oh my God, she just, freaking pisses me off. But I'm frustrating. But, it, but but it's good. You have to be on a team where you can do that with each other. Otherwise, this, the work, the, the content that you make, the ideas that you put out there are not going to be your best. It's that that skeptic side of all of us. I think what's what I don't think you shared just a moment ago is your journey in the skeptic. Like, I think you are less of that skeptic now because all three of us have taken on that component more. Um, but when when our first our team first started, that was really what made us awesome. Because and Casey, what I think is 
<laughs> what I think is amazing that I have to stop you right there is that oftentimes we we come together with people that are like-minded and that keep us in that comfort zone of like, we believe the same thing. And I think sometimes if you step out of that and you're willing to be with people that aren't necessarily like-minded or see things from different angles, that's where the magic can happen. You just have to get out of that zone of comfort. Yeah. And that takes time. It's not going to happen overnight. And if you think that you can have that courageous sort of relationship and conversation with people that you don't know, you're going to come off like an asshole. (laughs) It takes time for you to get to know those people in order to have those conversations. And for me to walk back into to school the next day and have a clearer thought process for why, Emily, I was saying what I was saying, ended up making things 10 times better. Because as Jenny, you mentioned, my problem is I think too fast. I think faster and my ideas come faster than my hands, fingers, everything can, can keep track of them. What I think, yeah, I think you need to go there next. So Casey, yeah. what's up next is you haven't talked about your role. And I am yeah. sensing some deep-seated like reluctance mm-hmm. to you even don't talk like about this. your role. So let's go <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> La Capitana role is a role that I struggle with. Um, I'm a person who, <sighs> I don't know the right word, but anxiety has always been part of my narrative and my personal story. Um, I, for as extroverted as I seem to people in my building, my school that I work with, how extroverted I may seem with my teammates, I am very much a creature of like, not wanting to be social and not wanting to talk. And the problem or the disconnect occurs when I have good ideas and I know what's what's good practice for, for teaching, for learning, for coaching. The problem is I have to assume a leadership role, but that's in direct friction with the way my personality is or my personality feels. It's hard to be introverted. <laughs> for me, it's hard to be introverted and a leader at the same time. Um, So my role in this team is the idea generation. I know what I have ideas on what things should look like, how things should happen. And it's hard for me to take on that leader role because it's in opposition of my personality. And you all have been so gracious enough in helping me, helping me try to live up to that role. So there's no pressure there. No, there, there, it, because it's where I want to be. Like, I want to be a leader. I feel like I, I have this calling to be a leader. But it's taken a lot of work for me to try to accept that. Well, and something we might end up talking about later is kind of some of the misconceptions about uh, leadership in general. So I'm just going to give it a light touch here. But I think this idea that you have to be this like extroverted alpha dog to be a successful leader is really is really a myth. I think that some of the things that make you a good leader are partially your ability to look at look at things with a critical eye. And yes, I think you are every bit the spaghetti flinger that I am and so, and many times better, you know, but I also think that your ideas don't just come out, 
you know, sort of partially formed, your ideas tend to come with specs, what it looks like, how it would be executed. And because you've got this, you know, you've got a little bit of an eye for detail in addition to the ability to generate creative ideas, I think makes you a good leader. And I think one of the other things that makes you a good leader is you understand a little more, I think, than than me especially, and maybe Jenny too, uh, about how to pass things through the the admin check, you know? So like, what would our administ- what is the common vocabulary that administrators and district initiatives are taking? And how do we run things through that check so that anything we come up with is done with, you know, fidelity to what's going on in our district and what's important to keeping things forward mo- mo- motion? Because seriously, if it's just angry teacher mode all the time, nothing's ever going <laughs> to get accomplished, you know? <laughs> We need your leadership, but your if your leadership is is quiet and introspective, I think that that's that's a strength, not a weakness. And it's not very it's not a very common leadership style that at least in my experience that I've seen, usually people who are those quiet leaders, people view them as more incompetent. And You're not incompetent. I'm not. No, you get, I, you get I, stuff done. <laughs> I, I and I agree with that. It's just hard. Like if you. If you think about the leaders that are in your buildings or in your workplace or in your life, they are not the most, the first ones that come to your mind are not the quiet and introspective ones, but sometimes those people who are in the background, um, leading from either in between or leading from, from the wings, those are the ones who get the stuff done. And I just try to live that myself, even though it creates angst in my chest. <laughs> well, again, I, I know you're still kind of coming to a point where you can even feel comfortable saying the words La Capitana, not just because they're in Spanish. Um, but I think in truth, like a lot of what you you bring to our team, like you, you are the one who will have an agenda if we have a meeting. I could ramble for hours. Like you have an agenda. You're usually the one to build the slide deck, to build the learning module. So whatever thing it is, whatever product it is we're creating, you are the one who can keep things process driven and to keep us moving forward on schedule and getting things done. And shoot, now we have a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) And here we are. You know what? And, And talking a little bit about those impurities again, um, or imperfections, I guess, is that I feel like personally, I don't want to speak for you, but would you agree that I'm at my peak performance when I'm surrounded by the people that I've recognized bring out the best qualities of myself? So mm-hmm. how do you find that peak performance and who do you surround yourself with to get to not have to change who you are, but be who you are and have them elevate your product and process? Mm-hmm. Like, I, I hate to say it, but sometimes it's luck of the draw, right? Like, we were all assembled into what I perceive as an amazing super group <laughs> by someone who saw potential in each one of us. And, you know, that person has come and gone. But because of the way the universe or whatever brought us together, like, sometimes it's just chance. It is, but it isn't. I think that that building of building of trust and experience for the team is going to be part of it. Like that instance you mentioned earlier, Casey, where you and I were really button heads on a thing. Like, yeah, we could be pissed about it. And actually, what's really funny is you remember being mad about it. I don't remember being mad. About it. <laughs> I was not angry. I was just doing my thing. You know, I wasn't mad at you. <laughs> um, but 
you know, I digress. I think there was enough trust there that at least I think on my end, I felt like we were going to come back to work the next day and you weren't going to be pissed at me. No. We were just going to keep rolling and doing more work on it until we got to a version of it that we both liked. And that kind of brings me to the next thing that I would say is know what your best work looks like. Like, I think if you're looking to recognize the people who bring out your best, know what a good product and a, you know, a less than stellar product is, you know, we've all done a half-assed version of something, everybody in their career, in their education, in their life, everybody has pulled one out of their butt at some point, you know? So when you're trying to think about what that looks like to do the exact opposite of that, when you've got something where you kind of feel that nervous pride in what you've got, I think that that's when you're starting to say, okay, whoever helped me get here, I want to take a really deep dive on what that process was. So, you know, wherever you're, you're thinking headspace is in terms of like, how do you figure out yourself? Do that introspection, think about what your best work looks like, and really think about the who of, of how you got there. Well, speaking of the who, what about the what? So our next segment, the what? What the what? So we just int- so we just introduced all of ourselves when we talked about yeah. what our roles are and who we are. But when we think about the what, in the, for example, like our our guild, the, the three of us have a, a combined fifteen years of work as instructional coaching and partnering partnering with adult learners, right? So um, we also have classroom experience. I was previously a Spanish teacher for thirteen years. Um, and so, you know, we've been in the classroom, we've been working with, with our adult learners and our teachers at, through instructional coaching. Yeah, so when you really think about that idea of what your best work is, I think we need to really think about what, what everybody brings to the table. Because you can be friends, but if you're not doing good work, then you're not really a functional guild or a functional team. So... I'm really thinking like we, we rely a lot on our experience uh, in the classroom and out of the classroom. Like I've mentioned, I've, I've both been a classroom teacher and been on Library Island. But, you know, I rely on both of those experiences in terms of how you relate to other teachers who are, you know, are not your your PLC and also really trying to help bring what I've learned from that into my coaching experience. Um and I think we've, you know, another thing we could mention is that you got to get with a team of people that do their homework. What about what about our influencers? So like talking about this, and I actually love this segment so much. I think, Emily, you came up with this original idea. <laughs> if you've heard of the hall pass. But if <laughs> no, you, it was me. It oh, was me. It? Yeah, the, this was Katie. Yes. All right. So, I'll give credit. So in the Emily right had the idea. Emily had the idea of us talking about who our influences are, who are those people that they're just brains are so amazing that we want to be John Malkovich with them and like crawl inside them. But yeah, I gave it the term the professional hall pass. So <laughs> we would, as amazing as our guild is um, and, and how much we love working with them, I would dump my teammates in a hot second and they wouldn't even be mad at me if who would like to start and share their professional hall pass people. Uh, I will own this. Um, I am crazy obsessed with the work of Jane Kesey. Uh, Her book, Differentiated Coaching, makes its way into my coaching practice every single day. Because, you know, we've talked a lot about your personality and your imperfections and why that matters. 
Uh, in Jane Kesey's work, you do a lot of looking at yourself and also looking at the personality types and needs of different people's personalities. And it's true. People don't always speak the same language at all. We are lucky to be in a place where we're with a group that, you know, kind of process things, not identically, but very similarly. But when you're working in a whole school worth of teachers, you're going to hit a whole different type of uh, load of personalities and I'm not gonna lie guys if Jane Kesey ever gave me a call love ya peace out (laughs) (laughs) and and we would say send us a postcard and your next four books yes Um, (laughs) mine would be I guess can I do two because I got twofold Uh, the first one that kind of defined me and my my role in my work on this team is the work of Elena Aguilar in her work in Onward, um, how to build emotional resilience in educators. For a while, people didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> that now it's like it just comes up all the time. Yeah, yeah. now Dude. it's our reality. You were ahead we of the curve. I was ahead of the curve, man. Um, well, I can't give credit. Lena was ahead of the yeah, curve. Yeah, that's a point. <laughs> um, but just the way that she helps us rethink um teacher and educator priorities it's just like we say with kids if kids don't feel safe if they don't feel like someone cares about them they can't learn the same is true for adults and so many educators today especially due to the pandemic are leaving the profession amazing educators because they feel like they have the weight of the world the weight of their students world on their shoulders and how do we help teachers um, either carry that burden or make that burden more manageable. So if Elena asked me to come work for her, I'd be like, peace out. The other one, um, I have to credit Jenny on this one, Brene Brown. As someone who has that anxiety, as someone who is struggling to really accept and, and embrace, I think the word I'm looking for more so is embrace, embrace a leadership role. Um, her work with vulnerability and being able to have courageous and daring conversation. When I read her book and have heard her work, like every time I get re-inspired and find an opportunity to recommit to being vulnerable, leading from a place of good and just showing up to do great things. So yeah, she'd also be peace out (laughs) she really is one of the best i don't even think we could be mad (laughs) and for me the my professional hall pass would be catlin tucker i know you guys are real shocked on that one if you don't know who catlin tucker is she is an educator Uh, she lives in california i've never physically met her um but just actually serendipitously came upon her work and actually this the origin story is kind of it it's telling because i have no idea how she showed up on my favorites bar on my browser i have no idea she was like a tab there literally have i mean maybe i did it sub, like subconsciously i don't know but she was on my t- she was on my browser i popped her up it was during a planning period when i should have been grading and planning and i i opened up her blog again don't know how i ended up there or happened upon that that work and i remember thinking to myself i don't have time for this I shouldn't get go down the wormhole. And so I was reading about 
um, Catelyn Tucker is, you know, speaking of people ahead of their time, Catelyn Tucker was ahead of her time when it comes to blended learning. I mean, now that is like a buzzword if you are in the educational field here. Um, but she was teaching about it. She was using, she was, the, you know, some of the first people to actually be using blended learning in her classroom with students. And then she's evolved into helping other teachers, coaching teachers to, to employ blended learning practices. And I remember looking through her blog, watching some of the keynotes that she had on there following some of the the threads that she had within that um and just thinking man like i could i could do that i i could try that let me try that and it completely transformed the way i was teaching like within a matter of days like i just kind of threw out the baby with the bathwater, and i was you know i jumped in two feet and i know some sometimes adult learners aren't quite there to do that we all have our different way of approaching things but she just really spoke to me um and and so I, I ended up following her on Twitter, maybe kind of creepily stalking her too much and and retweeting her all the time. And finally, she was just like, you know what, Jenny? Hey, can you answer some questions? Since, you're, since I see you all the time on Twitter, would you answer some questions? And it just kind of evolved into one of those where she asked me a few questions. She was writing a book and one of my quotes got put into her book. And yeah. and, and literally, like, I, I, I have a sentence in one of her books that opens up one of the chapters, um, and, and that book is the uh, Power Up Blended Learning, a Professional Infrastructure for Change, for Sustained Change. And uh, and it was just one of those moments where I was like, hey, like someone was willing to listen. Like I learned from her. It was like kind of a fangirl moment, but um, just an awesome, just journey of how that came so yes if uh, she were to call me up and be like hey jen i need a coach to to come work with my group i'd be like i'm in <laughs> i'm in and we wouldn't be mad <laughs> and we wouldn't be mad maybe just a little and like i i love talking about the professional hall pass that's such a funny way of putting it but just to kind of bring it back around full circle when you think about you know the formation of your guild and what makes it powerful we mentioned you know the who so it, it's your your people in the guild and, and what strengths and imperfections they have and what you can draw on and use to balance each other out. We also have to keep in mind that everybody is going to bring their professional influences with them. So it's almost like every time we're having a conversation together, uh, depending on what the topic is or what we're trying to do, we might get a Catlinism or a Keseyism or whatever in the mix to kind of strengthen our practice by drawing on the the work that's really inspired us and helped us learn and grow. And often those become verbs, right? Like yeah. often we'll say, Emily, we need you to Keezy her. Yeah, we'll Keezy it. <laughs> um, and it just makes us stronger. I also think, you know, we mentioned a little bit ago how sometimes the right gill just finds its way to you. But other times you have to put yourself out there and try to assemble the guild that makes you stronger. And part of that guild is your professional influences. So whether those are on social media, from books, from, you know, wherever. Sometimes if you're not in the right guild, you might have to make some steps to find your own um, in order to feel that professional growth and that forward momentum. Mm -hmm. And don't be afraid of having too much to say. It's okay to hop on social media and start by listening. 
start by listening to, well, I'm going to say podcast, shameless health club, <laughs> but also like look at what other people are saying on Twitter. You could kind of, you know, silently follow for a while like Jenny did with Catlin, but it's going to help you make professional collect connections and figure out what's meaningful to you in the long run. And your guild, if you're lucky, might be people you get the, the, the great fortune to work with every day like what we have, but you might find your guild through something else. Uh, but don't feel like you need to be an expert or have the most to say to start looking. That's so true, especially because if you think about even our journey, and we were talking about, you know, from five years ago, I remember sitting in my interview for the role I'm currently in with you two, like hovering over me with like <laughs> questions. And I just remember asking the question, where do you think we'll be in five years? Um, because, you know, being an instructional technology coach, it was like, I don't want to help people. Oh, this is going to sound bad. It's... I. I, I feel like my purpose is bigger than like, hey, my iPad won't turn on. So I remember asking that question, like, where do you think we'll be in five years? What what will this role evolve into? Um, I'm losing my voice. Oh, great. That's great for a podcast. Um, so where, where would we be? And here we are five years later. And to speak to Emily's point, we've been consuming a lot for five years you know, yeah, we create content for our specific district. We've been, but we've, you know, professionally in that expert lens and, you know, imposter syndrome, we'll get to one of those in a different episode. Um, but here we are five years later and we're like, I think we might be ready to contribute to this community and not just consume it all. So, you know, it's just an interesting thing and, and finding that within yourself, you don't always have to be the expert or know everything, but just keep learning. Nope. It's natural evolution. Also, sorry, I think we might have missed a few major bullet points on where we were going to be in five years. <laughs> Pandemic was definitely not one of them. No, it was not. No one saw that coming. <laughs> no, not um, at all. Yeah, more, more on that to come too. Yes. So I think um, our last segment that we'd like to spend some time on is a game that um, we, we talk about, at least I've talked about in a most recent PD. It's always important to bring in fun. Um, there's so little of that in what feels like a teacher's world right now. So our last segment is called Most Likely To. So in this segment, we're going to spend some time just very, very quick fire, rapid fire. Which member of our guild would most likely have these things happen? And can I preface that when we brainstormed these questions, we, we don't know the answers to like what Casey's going to say or what, I have no idea. I see them in front of me here. Um, I have no idea who's going to be who. We were not allowed to pre-think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got to keep it authentic. Yep. All right. So I'm most likely to get punched in the face. Jenny. Who I would, who? who I think. Oh, Emily, for sure. <laughs> yeah, I think Emily, I, too. No doubt. <laughs> Sorry, Emily. Uh, one thing you guys have to realize about me is that I have never lost a fight. So if I get punched in the face, which, you know, we've already determined that Team Skeptic can also be synonym for Team Asshole. So I'll take it. <laughs> but I don't lose. <laughs> yeah. Um, that one's easy. That one's easy. So easy. Uh, most likely to get the whole gang in trouble. Casey, you go first. Oh. I think it's me. <laughs> Yeah, whether like I really, really wanted it to be Emily, but she's very much more reflective than I am. She's stealth. I'm, not a, she's stealth. I'm I'm 
sucky. I always get caught. Like I <laughs> I was in a non-emergency terrible car accident and I admitted to the cop right away that I had looked at my phone for a split second <laughs> and ended up having to pay 10% of my repair fee. Whatever. Oh no. But yeah, I'm I'm the probably the one most likely to get the gang in trouble cuz A, I'm not stealthy enough and B, I'm not afraid of pet to press buttons. And C, um, I'm starting to give zero Fs <laughs> about about things that don't matter. So if someone goes against values, beliefs, things that I believe what are what should be followed, I'm starting to get to that point of I need to say something. Do I dare? I don't want to give this away, but it's because you're on the other side of 35. It is. It might the, be your uh, the, age. The wrong side of oh, 35. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe we should own that. We're all on the wrong side of side 35, of yeah. truth told. Emily, would you agree with Casey about the trouble? Who would yeah, I would. Like, I, I am more guerrilla tactics. Even if I am running things through that angry teacher filter, uh, it's not necessarily going to be something that I'm going to throw on the table, whereas Casey knows what she wants to say and knows what she wants to get done in any given meeting. And if you're in the wrong meeting for that... Yeah. You're going to get us in trouble. And we'll take it because we would ride or die with you off the cliff <laughs> yep. if it need be. And Casey, we've got consensus here because there ain't no way I'm getting us in trouble. I have a good <laughs> no. girl through and through. Rule follower all the way. Least uh, likely to. Yeah. <laughs> yep. But right, I also next. think, uh, last comment, last comment too. I think you are so, you are both more, much more reflective than I am, whereas I qu- quick fire from the hip. So I'm most likely to get in trouble when I don't think. Definitely. Um, I'm most likely to fall asleep in a movie. Oh, God. Emily, you and me. This. Emily, you and me on three. One, two, three. Jenny. Me. Oh, crap! <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's a dis- big disclaimer. Is the movie after 8 p.m.? <laughs> Yes, Emily falls asleep. I would say Emily. She falls asleep at 8 o'clock or earlier every day. So she can't watch a movie because kids are awake before that. Y'all, I have twins under the age of six, so I don't function (laughs) after eight, and I'm going to own it. (laughs) If it's a normal movie theater time, but I'm going to say this. If it is a matinee, I'm going to go with Jenny. (laughs) But if it's after, like if it's a 7.30, you know, normal movie time not that anyone's going to theaters right now but you know if it's a normal movie time totally me good night (laughs) i just remember and this is most recent like jenny you're so cute you like fall asleep in bed with your kids all the time Um, i do yes i do that is true So that's where that came the moment i I get horizontal i am (laughs) i gotta sit up or i'm asleep yeah well and that's where it comes from that's where it comes from. yeah okay i could see i could see it but yeah you guys have texted me like when i say something to you after 8 30 p.m like go to bed and i'm like oh yeah it's my bedtime (laughs) Um, most likely to become a magician. Oh, right. you got me stumped there. Casey? Are we going to one, two, three this? <laughs> I just said one. I don't know. Emily, what do you think? I think it's Jenny. <laughs> really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I would probably say me only because I can juggle. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you didn't know that? Instead of taking floor hockey in middle school, we could choose between either floor hockey or juggling. So I learned how to juggle. You totally chose right. There's a there's a lot more uh, there's a lot more potential for that. I don't see a lot of floor hockey these days. Yeah, 
And I think I'm willing to accept that, too, because of what you said about the administrative voodoo that I sometimes, not to culturally appropriate that term, but the the ability to, like, spin and, here, look at this thing, but we're really going to do this thing. And look at how great that thing is, that misdirection or redirection, I think. I like to pride I thought it on. could be Jenny just because, first of all, I don't think anyone would suspect you of doing sleight of hand, but I also think you are probably the most physically graceful of any of us, so if it came to actually pulling that off. But that was before I knew Casey could juggle, so maybe I would <laughs> <laughs> I can't juggle, so she's got me on that. Ooh. Last one? Last one. All right. To go off the grid, most likely to go off the grid. so hard me yeah it's jenny yeah I, I i'd be zen all the way yeah listening to nature playing with birds i don't know yes and not only that but i think you have you probably have the closest to rural upbringing of any of us it's not full-blown rural but closest to it <laughs> i love how you think i have a rural upbringing <laughs> i said there's more rural that is man. hilarious I, I lived in chicago for seven years everything seems rural to me <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man, because, yeah, because I had a backyard. Yes, you had a backyard that may not have had a fence. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't. You're right. Yes. I think I think I'm going to add just to the to most likely to go off the grid and like it. Like, I think you I, I think Emily and I would eventually go stir crazy. Like when quarantine started in March, you did not leave your house. No. Until like August. <laughs> Okay, well, that's a little exaggerated. I literally, but literally did not, like, to grocery shop or nothing. I think it was from lockdown till the first, it was the first week of May when I got in my car and drove a block. And I was like, I could go back home now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what that says about myself. But yes, I, I like a little bit of solitude, no doubt. And I think there's a little air of introvert to all of us. But again, I think you're, you're kind of the most naturally inclined. And, and yeah, I would say the quarantine experience gives you a glimpse. Under, under other circumstances, it actually might have been a good thing. For sure. So here's the deal, guys. When, you, when we're playing this game and it is designed to kind of help us, you know, have a little fun and ground what we're doing in play. In truth, we also want to help our listeners get, a, get to know us a little bit better, too. I'm sure a podcast with three different hosts is going to be a little bit of a challenge to start discerning one voice from the other. So we want, we'll probably keep playing little games at the end of uh, podcast se- sessions to help you get to know us. And, you know, hopefully they'll build potential for getting to know our listeners a little better in the future too. So uh, along those lines, when we're thinking about things through the filter of you, the listener, we probably want to address what some of the major takeaways of this uh, episode are before we bring it to a close. So first and foremost, name your gifts and your imperfections. You are very, very good at something. You're challenged by something. You're not going to find your guild unless you really take uh, the time and the effort to think about yourself and know yourself and what you need for balance. Uh, Secondly, from your imperfections, so when you're looking for that balance, find your guild. Like we said, it might take a little bit of courage and outreach to find that, but when you know what it is you're lacking, you have an idea what it is you're looking for. So go out into social media, consume uh, other people's content, and don't be afraid to reach out to other people and maybe even mentally designate them as members of your guild before they even know it, like we have with our hall passes. Uh, speaking of hall passes, draw from your hall passes. You're going to have your your people who you really click with or who inspire you professionally. Read their work. 
by their work so that they can survive and stay in business. So consume and purchase the things uh, that you love from the inspirations that you love. And don't be afraid to cite it and bring it to the table when you love it. Apologies, Jane Kesey, for using your word, your name as a verb. Uh, anyways. <laughs> So um, the other thing to consider, kind of like I already mentioned, is if the the universe has not, you know, the stars have not aligned it such that you have a professional guild in the place where you currently work, uh, to consider making your your guild a virtual one. I will say this, well, while we have been lucky to work together for many years, this five years worth of experience is gold, and I wouldn't trade it for the world. We did realize recently that we hadn't all three of us been together in person since before the pandemic, uh, February, actually. So you're not always going to be able to be face-to-face with the people that you're trying to to make members of your guild. But reach out virtually. Uh, consider you know both virtual and asynchronous options for talking to other people and communicating. You can build trust and communication many ways, and virtually is just one of them. And lastly, uh, let's talk about a little bit of a taste for what's to come. If you uh, opt to keep listening to the Grounded Learners Guild podcast, uh, some of the things we'll be talking about in upcoming episodes, first of all, include imposter syndrome. I know uh, we threw a teaser out that there earlier for that. Uh, part of looking at your imperfections is also looking about what they prevent you from doing. So we're going to look at imposter syndrome, how it's affected us, and how others can look at imposter syndrome and maybe start working past it to accomplish the things you really want to accomplish professionally. And lastly, we're going to discuss firehose professional development. How is professional development like a firehose? Tune in to find out. (laughs) It's true, but yeah. Uh, And I cannot promise that will be the only metaphor about professional development we use. We are a metaphor-heavy bunch, but Mm -hmm. keep listening. Uh, Other episodes are in the works, and we can't wait to share more discussions with uh, you, our listeners. That's a wrap on today's inaugural episode. Thanks for spending this time getting to know us a little better. Don't forget to leverage your personal gifts and imperfections in order to ground yourself in your purpose and enhance your team's dynamics. It is our sincerest hope to advocate for adult learners, and we aim to contribute to this community with genuine conversations about education, leadership, and topics that matter to you. You can find us on our website, thegroundedlearnersguild.com. Follow us on Twitter at cvecher, at techcoachm, and at Jenny Labrie. We believe in the power of feedback. It helps us keep growing and allows us to bring you quality and customizable content. Subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and Jenny, in today's episode of the Grounded Learners Guild. See you at the next Guild meeting, and in the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.